You are listening to the Jabin Chavez Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help you find your organizational culture and leadership values. Jabin is a pastor, artist, and highly sought-after speaker who has a long track record of growing departments, ministries, and organizations. We know that this podcast will bring value to you as a leader and to your entire team. Hey friends, I am so excited about this month's podcast. I am fired up for you to hear it. And uh, I guess I'm really excited uh, because of the content. And no, it is not me. It is my dear friend, one of my favorite people in the world, my big brother, a mentor in my life, Pastor Marcus Meekham. He was recently with us at City Light Church here in Las Vegas, preaching to um, our church at our conference. And he preached this message that, honestly, um, I'm still scratching my head. It was it was just so good. I I've listened to it now three times, and I continue to get more and more out of it. So you're you're going to be blessed. You're going to be amazed and you're going to be really, really well fed today by this message. Um, Marcus pastors Seven Hills Church in the Cincinnati area, multi-campus church that is in Cincinnati. It's in Kentucky. I think it's in Indiana. It's, it's just all over. Um, he's one of my favorite preachers. He's one of the best leaders that you will find. And uh, honestly, I always tell people, if people ask me, what church should I be checking out? What church should I be visiting? Who should I be learning from? I always at the top of my list is Marcus Meekum. So um, you are going to love this talk. I'm just telling you right now, you're going to be so blessed by it. And uh, make sure that you hop on uh, all of his social media accounts and you're following him and staying up to date. He he brings great content and uh, always has something great to say. Let me just encourage you as well, if you can, if you can like this podcast, if you can comment, all those things really matter. If you can throw this podcast in your Instagram story and let people know that you're listening, all of that just really helps us uh, as we... Um, Try to help more people, reach more people, and serve more leaders. So anyway, love you guys, praying for you, and uh, believing that we are about to enter into the most amazing fall uh, that we could ever pray for, ever imagine, ever dream of. In Jesus' name, see you soon. Let's look at Genesis chapter 4, and I'll get there. Uh, I want to talk to you about culture. Now, um, I don't even like the word culture because... For me, I, I didn't know what it meant. Now, I know kind of a little bit, but I just didn't really understand it completely. And maybe more importantly, I'd never read about it in the Bible, and I'm kind of a Bible guy. And so, but if you read leadership books, of course, I don't think everything has to be in the Bible to be beneficial, but I still was kind of sensing, is this a secular term or way of seeing things that's artificial possibly, and maybe God has... It's a replacement for something that God has put in his word. And I just really struggled with the idea. I'm not saying it's probably a semantic, but I was wrestling with it. And I'd read books about how culture is the secret weapon of an organization. How culture is like the holy grail 
of an organization. How one book said that the biggest lever a leader has is culture. That the greatest responsibility of a leader is to create culture. But most don't even understand it. So what is culture? What's it made out of? What ruins a good, healthy culture? What makes a culture bad? What makes a culture positive? And we all know you can feel culture. I'm here tonight, and I can just feel it. I can feel it. You can feel a culture of joy. You can feel a culture that's pregnant with possibility. You can feel it. You can sense it. You can feel a culture that serves. You can feel a culture that's grateful. You can all feel the opposite. You can feel a culture that's uh, a, a little, you know, into themselves and, and lack kindness and lack care for others. You can sense it. You don't, you don't always know how to explain it. You walk into it and you can feel it immediately. You pick up on it and you know culture when you feel it. But what is it? And if the Bible is silent about it, should we care about it? There's not one Bible verse that uses the word culture. It is a Latin word that means to cultivate the soil. The word cultivate means to train or to encourage the soil. You've heard words like agriculture, horticulture, floriculture. It's the study of how we cultivate the soil. And so there's a connection, I want you to get it in your mind, between soil and culture. So soil or dirt is the biblical picture we have to understand culture. So instead of thinking culture, this abstract term, I want you to think dirt. I want you to think you get your hands, you're planting the flowers, you're planting the tree, you're pulling out the weeds, you're getting the dirt in your fingernails. I want you to, when you think culture, I want you to think dirt. I want you to think the, the rocks that have to be removed. I want you to think the, the hardness that has to be broken up. I want you to think, when you think, hear the word culture, I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think about just the, the dirt, the soil, the mud, anything you can think of that has to do with the ground. That's going to help us understand culture. And we would know this, that God is serious about soil. That you and I are spirit living in a dirt house. That God, when he gave Adam and Eve their assignment, it was to be fruitful. To go and to, to take care of the garden of Eden and make sure that it's fruitful and taken care of. And when they sinned, what happened, God removed them from Eden and then the curse that came on them was now they're going to have to work and fight against the thorns and the thistles that are going to try to come up and choke out the work that you put in. And so the curse was, hey, listen, because you've messed up, now you're going to have to fight and you're going to have to push and you are gonna have to struggle against all the things that are trying to come in and ruin the work that you put in. So then we go one step further and we would know that The Bible says at night when we're sleeping, the thief, the enemy comes and he sows seeds, weeds, anything he can to try to choke out the harvest. So this is this is not even when we're awake, we're apathetic. When we're awake, the enemy's at work. This is when we're sleeping. I'm resting. I'm sleeping. And the devil is still trying to do what he can to mess up the soil of my life. The Old Testament talks a lot about soil. Talks about possessing the promised land, right? This land flowing with milk and honey. But you don't just get the promised land. 
right? Now we have to fight for the promised land. We have to fight for this territory. We have to slay giants. We have to cross deserts. We have to believe that rivers and oceans are going to open. We have to go up against fortified cities and enemies that are greater than us. And even Jesus spoke about soil. And according to him and his parable, only one out of four of us will actually three out of four of us will not get this. Only one out of four of us will get it. Only 25% of people understand the importance of training and encouraging the soil of their life. The rest of them, you know, the bird comes, the heat comes, the, 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 the cares of life come and choke out the seed. Jesus said, if you don't put your hand to the plow, breaking up the ground, making sure you're working the ground, working against everything that's trying to come and rob you of your future. If you don't do that, Jesus himself said you're not fit for the kingdom. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 4 because interestingly enough, we get to meet the very first person in the Bible that cultivated the soil. So God, in just the way that he is, pretty quickly in Scripture gave us everything we need to know about culture. So let's look at it. Verse... um, Verse 2, verse 2. Now, Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. His face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Let's drop down to verse 10. And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be restless, wandering the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Today you're driving me out from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. In this brief text, I want to talk to you about three, three things that this story teaches us about the culture of Cain. First thing that we're going to see here is that the culture of Cain contaminates. The second thing we're going to look at is that the culture of Cain curses. And then the third thing that we'll look at is that the culture of Cain crushes. So let's look at it. Number one, the culture of Cain contaminates. The Bible says that God rejected Cain's offering, but he accepted Abel's offering. God rejected Cain's hard work. He rejected his abilities. He rejected his skills. He rejected his gift. He rejected the sweat and the labor that he had put in. And so Cain is heartbroken. He's devastated. And he's in a place that he believes that he has been rejected by God. And his solution to the rejection is, if I attack Abel, my problems will get better. If I kill my brother, it will resolve my God problems. So he thought, if I attack 
Abel, it will fix my issue. But Cain did not have a Abel problem. He had a God problem. His issue was not with Abel. His issue was with God. His issue was not even with what God did for his brother. His issue was with what God did not do for him that he thought God should do. And so God comes to him and he says, I'm going to warn you. This comparison with your brother is contaminating the soil of your life. And he says to him, why are you worried about your brother? Why are you worried about what I'm doing for Abel? If you'll just do right, if you'll just do well, if you'll just do good, if you'll just do what I've asked you to do and fight off the temptation to compare, will I not take care of you as well? But the Bible said he could not fight off the temptation of comparison. He lost the fight and the blood of comparison contaminated the soil of his life. Studies show it only takes three to five percent to ruin a healthy culture. So three to five out of a hundred can destroy a healthy culture. A bad hire costs an organization 150 to 300 percent of that person's annual salary. It costs churches more because they're all interconnected to the life of the church. Companies with great cultures have a 765 percent net increase in their finances. So we cannot afford to miss this. We're sowing our time, we're sowing our gifts, we're sowing our faith, we're sowing our prayer, we're sowing our money. We cannot afford to miss it. Practically speaking, by the way, we can't afford it. And like it or not, the ground still speaks. You know, it's so crazy to me. God did not need Cain to tell him what happened to his brother. God didn't need it. God didn't need to go to Cain and say, hey, Cain, so what happened? Tell me the details. The ground told God everything he needed to know about Cain. And for us, it's the same way. We don't have to try to tell God, well, well, this is why and this is how I'm feeling and this is my thing. We, we don't have to cover it because the ground of our life is telling God everything he needs to know. And the soil of our life. When we're constantly comparing, I don't understand why God did that for them. I don't understand how God used them. I, I don't under, when every time you do that, you're putting the blood of comparison and it's contaminating the soil of your life. Number two, the Cain culture curses. Verse 11, it says that you'll work. The, this was the curse. You'll work with no results. That when the blood of comparison flooded the soil of Cain's life, The Bible says comparison zapped his strength. God said you'll no longer get strength from this ground. You used to go out and you'd work and you'd plant. You break up the soil and you'd water it and you would would nurture it and you would go through the different seasons and make sure that it was being taken care of. And then when the harvest would come, you'd go and get the harvest and you'd eat the vegetables and you'd eat the fruit and you'd eat the harvest and it would strengthen you and it would nurture you and it would feed you and it would take care of you. But because you've contaminated the soil of your life, you will no longer get strength from the soil you work. 
Think about it like this. Comparison is a curse. And it will, it will drain the culture of its strength. In Numbers 35, 33, God was so serious about this that he created a city of refuge because he said that harsh judgment pollutes the land. And so God created these sanctuary cities if someone was in a devastated situation, they could get to it and potentially get mercy or get justice either way. But the Bible says God said the reason that he did that is so people would not pollute the land where they are. He was saying that so people will not put blood in the soil where they live. Because you cannot get strength where you sow the blood of comparison. So many people miss this. I, I thought that if I got married, that I'd be able to draw strength from my spouse. I did. I thought I'd. But I'm attacking it and I'm belittling it and I don't get this and I don't get that. And I'm putting blood in the soil. And I'm wondering why I'm not getting strength from my marriage. People do it in church. We're the worst in church. We're so bad at it. I don't understand why I'm not getting strength from the church anymore. I'm not getting strength from preaching anymore. I'm not getting strength from worship anymore. But if you attack it all the time and you content and you're comparing, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. Why this? Why that? I think I do it this way. I think I do it that way. It, it, listen, listen, it robs the culture of its strength. And now you're coming and you need strength. And now you're coming and you need nurtured. And now you're coming and you need lifted. But the problem is you're putting so much blood in the soil that you can't get strength. The curse is on the soil. So you got to do everything you can to make sure that you're doing nothing to curse the soil where you live. Cain thought, if I tear down Abel, my position will be strengthened. But tearing down Abel weakened Cain. It's unwise to compare is what the Bible says. Because people are just in different spheres. There's no way to possibly connect all the minute details that God has on why that's happening for them. And maybe why it's not happening for you. Potentially protection, not rejection, by the way. Twelve spies go into Canaan. Ten come back with a negative report. Ten came back with a report that were like grasshoppers in their sight. They compared themselves to something greater than them. They, they, and they thought, we can't do it because I know God said we could do it. I know God said this is a land flowing with milk. I know God said, but we can't do it because we don't feel like we're enough to go against the enemy. And it brought a curse on an entire generation. But two, the Bible says saw the land flowing with milk and honey. They saw the grapes. They saw all that stuff. And the Bible says these two men, Joshua and Caleb, had a different spirit. So what we're talking about with culture, it's not a place you arrive at. It's not a place you reach. It's not a destination point. It's the spirit that you develop. I develop a spirit. This is my, my soil is my spirit. It's my soul. It's my inner life. It's, it's, it's the place that things grow or things die. But I've got to make sure that I realize that 
I'm not trying to reach something. I'm just always developing my spirit, always breaking up the ground, always working things out that are working against where I'm going. I believe Jesus in John 8 was doing this exactly. When the Pharisees caught the woman caught in adultery and they threw her at, her, at his feet, remember the moment that they're comparing their sin to her sin. Well, well, her sin's worse than our sin. Her, her, look at her sin. And Jesus reaches down, and what does he start doing? He starts playing in the dirt. He's really talking to us about culture, really. He's playing in the soil. He's playing in the soil. You know what he's saying? You know what he's saying? Because you know what they wanted him to do? Kill her, right? And Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm not putting blood in the soil. I'm not bringing that curse on my life. Culture... The cane culture contaminates, the cane culture curses, and then number three, the cane culture crushes. God said, why are you downcast? The word downcast means weighed down or heavy. It means to lose your joy, lose your confidence, lose your hope. And so God wanted to know, Cain, why are you heavy? So reading some things, soil loses its health, they said, when it becomes crushed or calloused. So this is the way it works. Look at me real quick. A calloused or hardened soil has no pores to it. What the result of that is the soil can't absorb oxygen. It can't absorb water. Microbes are unable to break down the toxins and the pollutants that are in the soil. The hardened surface causes water to uh, pull on the surface. That water pulling there, uh, it attracts pestilence. It attracts uh, disease, it attracts all kinds of different things like bacteria that will cause sickness. And ultimately, if you study out uh, toxic soil, it's cost humanity countless lives. Wow. It's killed wow. maybe as many people as anything else out there. Wow. So the only way soil is constricted or hardened, another word was suffocated, the only way this happens is through constant heaviness. It's the consistency of the pressure that suffocates the soil. And so when God says, why are you downcast? Why are you heavy? He's saying you're crushing your soil. You're crushing the future. You're crushing the future potential in your life. Why are you so heavy? Which brings me to this point, all suffering, all suffering, is a result of minding somebody's business beside your own. All suffering. I'll help you real quick not suffer anymore. You want, you want me to help you? Mind your business. I got to mind my business. But I suffer when I start minding somebody else's business. So... If I start minding someone else's business, suffering is going to enter my life. So it's not just another person's business that I should not stick my nose into. I also should be careful to not stick my nose in God's business. Okay? Because suffering enters when I don't get why God does it like that. Why did you do it that way? But that's God's business. It's not your business. And a lot of suffering goes on because we're trying to understand what's God's business. 
You're not supposed to get God's business. I'm not supposed to understand God. I'm not supposed to get God. I'm not supposed to be able to put him into a little box and understand. I, I have to do everything I do to mind my own business. Why are you heavy? Don't worry about what I'm not doing for you. Cain, don't worry about what I've done for your brother. Don't worry about what you think should be going on here or going on there. If you'll just keep doing good, if you'll just keep doing right, if you'll just do well, I'll accept you. You know what God was telling Cain? Right now, it's just not your time. It was your brother's time. Right now is not your time. But I'm not done. It's not over. We're not finished. Don't quit. Don't give up. I got a purpose for you too. I got a plan for you too. I've got a destiny for you too. And if you just keep on doing good, I promise you, I'll make sure that that destiny is fulfilled in your life. So Cain was crushed by heaviness. He lost the battle. And he became part of the 75% in Jesus' parable. He became a statistic, choked out, suffocated by the cares of life. But if he would have heard what God was saying and just humbled himself and said, it's fine. I'm going to mind my business. I'm going to get back to my job. Get back to what I'm supposed to do. Get back to my work. Get back to my field. If he would have done that, it would have created, the soil would have not been contaminated. It wouldn't have been cursed. It wouldn't have been crushed. It would have been healthy. They say healthy soil produces the groundwork for all life. It cleans the air and the water. So we breathe it in. We drink it up. It limits exposure to disease and pestilence. It makes an environment resilient to harsh conditions. Healthy soil is a machine that transforms everything that flows through it. And the key to a healthy culture, the key to healthy soil is so simple. You remove the crushing heaviness that comes with comparison. You remove it. And the truth is life is heavy, so this is not an easy sermon. The truth is, the world we live in is heavy. Church life can get heavy. Serving God can get heavy. And the heaviness and the constant weightiness crushes culture. So we can reduce everything we're called to do pretty much down to one thing. One battle I have to fight. One giant I have to slay. One simple problem I have to solve. And that is, I have to remove heaviness from my life and the good thing about this is the bible says heaviness is a spirit god said to cain if you don't deal with this spirit this heaviness has cracked open the door and sin is on the other side it's crouching so when the bible calls heaviness a spirit It doesn't just tell us it's a spirit. It gives us the answer or the solution to how we deal with that spirit. The spirit of heaviness is what the Bible, the the definition of that word, or if you do the etymology of that word is comes from the word dull, D-U-L-L. And dull is a mark 
that shows up on your skin. And it's specifically what the high priest would look for when he would diagnose leprosy or, or the dull mark refers to the disease of a contagious plague. And so when the priest sees that, he immediately puts a garment on that person that says, stay away from them. They're sick. You can get this. They're bad. They're, they're quarantined. They're moved outside of the city gates. The family members, the loved ones, all the, pe- the friends, the work. Play all that. All, lock your door. Lock the deadbolt. Stay away from these people. Because the spirit of heaviness is not only a spirit, it is a contagious spirit. It gets on one and then it gets on another and then it gets on another and it gets on another. It may show up like fear. It may show up like condemnation. It may show up a lot of different ways. But in the end, those are just the jabs, right? Because we know demons travel together, right? They gang up. They hang out in legions. That's how they do it. So it's just jab. The fear is jab. The, the offense is jab. It's just a little jab. But the, 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 the knockout punch, that knockout punch is coming. That's heaviness. And that's designed to go ahead and take you out of the game. So God says... Cain, why are you allowing heaviness to crush everything in your life? Why are you doing this? You know what Cain said? I'm not my brother's keeper. He refused to see how heaviness in his life was crushing the people he loved. And I just want to take a few minutes and say, for some of you, heaviness is crushing your family. It's crushing your marriage. It's crushing your relationship with your kids. It's crushing your relationship with God. It's crushing your relationships at work. It's a crushing thing to allow heaviness to come in. And how does it come in? It comes in through tone, through conversation. It comes in through interactions, the way you say it, the things you say, maybe, maybe even just the way you carry yourself, your face, all these things can, can, can portray heaviness. Your social media post, all of it can be heavy. You can just be pushing a spirit of heaviness on other people. Cain contaminated, cursed, and crushed the soil of his life. And I just want to take a few minutes and say, thankfully, we have another one that we can look at. Because all of us have really inherited the way of Cain. Right? The culture of Cain has been around for a long time. It's found its way through the generations. Right? And it showed up in Vegas 2022. But Jesus also knew how to deal with the blood that Cain poured into the ground. He knew how to do it. And so he hung on a cross. Blood flowed from his wounds. Spilled into the dirt of Calvary. Right there around the cross. And that blood cries out too. And so you choose the Cain culture or the Christ culture. You choose the Cain culture or Calvary's culture. The way we do it is the Bible says when the spirit of heaviness comes into our life, we put on the garment of praise. 
So this is how I want to wrap our time up together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. You put on a garment of praise. Jabin could preach this way better than me. So I'm not going to preach it the way he would. I'm going to preach it different. You put on a garment of praise. You put it on. So we give our highest praise to God. That's God is the only one that deserves our highest praise. But praise is not specific to God. Okay, praise is something that we do for each other. Amen. Right. So good. Right. What what we say up front, it means to cultivate, means to train and yes. encourage yes. the soil. Yes. So if you're the children's pat Monica, is it Monica correct? If you're in the children's ministry, your number one job is not checking kids in. It's important. But your number one job is to make sure that a spirit of heaviness never gets into the children's ministry. That's your job. That's your job. I don't know. I think pastors should care more about kids than he does. I don't know. I think we should do that. You never allow. A, if you're the youth path, if you're the worship, for sure up here, you never allow a spirit of heaviness to come into areas you lead. And you do that by putting on a garment of praise. And so we encourage one another. We put the garment on. We encourage each other. We, we praise one another. We, we talk about the good things we see. We talk about the positive things we see. We celebrate one another. We, we, see, we see the strengths in people. We see the, and that God's blessing them. And instead of saying, God, I don't know why you did that for them and not me. We're just saying, God, thank you that you did it for them. And it's just the evidence that if you did that for them at some point, at some time, you'll do that same thing for me in Jesus' name.